dude, I'm, I'm afraid all the time, man. I, if anybody can hear this podcast right now, I'm always scared. But it's 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 about being scared and just conquering your fear and just because once you get once you get past that aspect of fear, like when you land it, like everything goes away and you're just so proud of yourself and it, it's like you pat yourself on the back, you know, like you don't need people to do that for you. You can do it yourself. Hello and welcome to another episode of Promote the Hell Out of It. My name is Ms. Trujillo, and this is episode 20 of the podcast, so I have an awesome guest lined up for you all. I chat to pro skater Carlos Lastra, who I actually found out about from watching Braille skateboarding YouTube videos, and I had Gabe Cruz from Braille Skateboarding on the podcast a few episodes ago. So if you haven't checked that out, please do. It was a wonderful chat, and I really loved it. But when Carlos came into Braille Skateboarding, I was absolutely blown away, not only by his style of skating, but also by his ability to conquer fear and to learn new tricks. I thought that was wonderful and that is something we talk about on the podcast. Carlos also has a bunch of sponsors under his belt, including Free Block Skateboards, Flip Grip Tape, BK, Active Rider Shop, and his custom boards are available on the Shred Quarters, including his latest one, Couch Potato, and his old board, Filthy Animal, which I absolutely love, I think is unavailable, but go check them out because they are awesome. We talk about so much on the episode, things that Carlos hasn't really talked about publicly before, and that add so much to what we already know about him, so I'm excited for everyone to listen to this. We talk about his move from Arizona to Long Beach, about surviving in that city, which is incredibly difficult considering how expensive it is, and about making it as a skater. We talk about how he became pro, we talk about going into Braille, eventually leaving Braille, what he's up to now, and so much more on top of that. Please do let me know what you think. Let me know what I could be doing differently. Let me know who I should talk to next and enjoy the episode. Oh yeah, dude. I'm, I'm afraid all the time, man. I, if anybody can hear this podcast right now, I'm always scared. Carlos, I am so happy to have you on the podcast. I know it's a rainy day where you are. How are you? Uh, good, man. Just enjoying the, like I said, enjoying the forecast of rain because uh, when you live in Southern California or California in general, it doesn't rain as much. So uh, thank you for having me, man. Ah, it's an absolute pleasure and I've been enjoying all the videos you've been posting on your own channel. I obviously know you from Braille, but all your videos are absolutely wonderful. Yeah, that's uh, funny because those, uh, those were posted maybe years ago and they didn't get as much, uh, uh, what do you call, uh, exposure back then. So it's kind of crazy to repost them now and like all the notoriety got out of it now is just insane. That's so cool. And it's it's cool because it's actually helping me discover like new songs and stuff. There's some of the soundtracks of awesome and i'm like writing down songs yeah i had nothing to do with any of that uh my editors they've been nothing but great and you know it's just it's gonna be cool to tell some of my story of what i've gone through in skateboarding throughout all these years for sure absolutely so let's start uh, let's go right to the start so you were saying you you went out at 15 yeah uh 15 15 about 16 years old yeah Cool. So what was the story there? Where did you head? Well, I sat down with my dad uh, one day and um, he was just telling me, you know, I had the ultimatum to either play music or skateboard. And I, for some reason, I didn't like being on stage because I played with this band for one set. And it was fun, but it was just so disciplined that I didn't really enjoy it as much as I, you know, enjoy playing music on my own. So I just kind of, uh, I'm going to branch off and just skateboard because at that time I was already a contest skater so I was already making you know decent money just going through contests and ah, cool. going back and forth to California you know since I was 14 years old and a few scouts had um helped me out to 
figure out what I wanted to do, like, as far as being a contest skater. So I, I, I had an offer to move out to California at a young age. And I just wanted to do that because, you know, being from Phoenix, Arizona, it's kind of a slower-paced lifestyle out there. So I wanted to go somewhere where it was just more of a challenge. And, you know, it, it was hard, though. Don't get me wrong. You know, I would never let my nieces or nephews do that that young. It was very hard. <laughs> That's, yeah, it's it's young. And we'll, we'll go into, like, the difficulties you faced. But going back even further, you say you were contest skating what made you get into skating in the first place i remember that for me i have like i remember watching back to the future and seeing a skateboard and from then i was hooked from such oh, an Marty age makes fly dude that's awesome for me um i played soccer for about three or four years and that was kind of the the thing uh where i lived at the time and when i moved to a different spot in phoenix uh nobody played soccer everybody just skateboarded and I kind of just would sit down, like, holding my soccer ball, you know, as, like, a lonely kid. And I'm like, oh, so this is what people do out here. <laughs> so I kind of, you know, Mongo pushing, started pushing around. And my brother-in-law had actually given me my first skateboard. And it's a funny story, though, because the first day I started skateboarding, and the reason I remember the date, it's because uh, my board got ran over the first day. No way. Yeah, it sucked. <laughs> How did that happen? I didn't know about, you know, going over pebbles and I hit one and it actually just, my board came to a screeching halt, uh, going through a drive through and freaking this car just ran over it. Ah, oh, ridiculous. Ridiculous. So, so you've got into skating at this point. What made you actually take it seriously? Was there anything like that made you go, right, this is what I actually am good at or want to do? I think it had to do with playing soccer. And I, I remember we were in this finals and uh well how do you say it um people had like you know you play with the team and you're you're playing based off what everybody else does and when i started skateboarding i i found like it's more individual like you only have yourself to blame so that made me intrigued as a kid and i just wanted to like oh if i mess up it's my fault you know so i kind of caught on to it in that aspect like oh okay this is this is like a definitely individual sport like everything that you do is wrong like you're only biggest penalty is falling down that's awesome yeah and I can relate to that for sure and what about going from there to actually entering contests was that your decision or did someone encourage you to do that uh I, I don't know actually I I just practiced really a lot because I was horrible for my first three years of skateboarding <laughs> I, I was I was outside you know 12 13 hours a day just working on ollies you know going in grass working on kickflips and just trying to get the hang of like what the concept is of skateboarding and uh, I went to a contest cause my friends, uh, I was in middle school and my friends had convinced me to go like, Hey, uh, this, there's a contest at Mesa, Arizona skate park. And if you want to go do that, like, let's go on Saturday. We're all going to go, we're all going to compete. So I want you to just sign up. And, uh, it's kind of crazy. My first contest, I got third place. No way. That's awesome. So it was just something that I was just, I guess, naturally good at. And then the very next one I did in Scottsdale, Arizona, Wedge Park, and I got first place. Oh, dude, that's so, so good. So it was just something I was just naturally good at, you know. How did that feel? Like, how did it feel connecting to something like that and, and being rewarded with it from those contests? I guess, you know, hard work pays off. I never really thought of it in the light of like, oh, I need to go out there and win. You know, it was just kind of like go out there and do your best kind of mentality. For sure. And what about when you got the offer to move out to California? Did it hit you then that you'd like accomplish something? Because you were young, like. Well, uh, for that, I was uh, went to Pasadena, California. I was 14 years old, and I uh, my brother had 
taken me. My my brother's eight years older than me. He, he was like my chauffeur at the time. Yeah. And then I did a freestyle competition. And I didn't know like what a freestyle competition was because that's kind of, you know, I looked up to Rodney Mullen growing up and that was one of the things. I was like, okay, well, let's go try it out, you know. And I ended up getting second place in the amateurs and I got fifth place in the pros. Oh, nice. And I was only, you know, 14 years old. And it was kind of crazy, though, in that light to where, uh, how do I say it? Uh, just I didn't know what it was, you know, like I didn't know that I was like the one sticking out at the time. And yeah, of course. It was cool because uh, you go to California, you know, people, you know, kids come dime a dozen that as like a, uh, what do you call a, um, like I wouldn't say prodigy, that wouldn't be the right word, but just more of like a, a person that just sticks out who's just really good at what they do at a young age. And so you go to California and you're sticking out and you're getting good feedback from all the big wigs. You're just like, oh, okay, so there's there's something to this. There's something that's you know, uh, this is my niche in life right now. So I want to just keep pursuing that. So that's why that had a lot to do with like how I, um, how I started to want to just move to California to even try it out. And when, and when you have that realization, the conversation you mentioned, you had with your dad, how does that go? Because telling your parents you want to move out at that kind of age doesn't generally go too well. Well, it's, it's actually a funny story. He, uh, he moved out to California when he was 16 to try to oh, make it for cool. music, and he didn't last uh, a month. <laughs> oh, no. So I was, he told me this, the whole story. There, like, I won't get into it a lot, but and the gist of the story is, like, he came out there for a month, and he depleted all his money, and he had to go back to Arizona, and he knew how hard it was. Yeah. But he's, he, told me that to, uh, he told me that story to t uh, scare me. <laughs> of course. And uh, instead of it scaring me, it made me intrigued, like, well... If you failed at it, what if I could do it? You know, what if I could just go out there and just show you what life would be if you would have stayed? Yeah, that's that's cool. I get that completely, and I I find that really relatable. I moved out early because I wanted to prove my parents wrong because I I didn't like the fact that they didn't think I could do what I said, um, which didn't always work out the way I intended, but generally has worked out pretty well if you if you work hard, right? Yeah, uh, trust me, it, it it was hell, dude. Like it was a lot of a lot of Joe jobs, a lot of you know failing, and I think that's one of the reasons I'm a little bit successful is because I I learned how to fail a lot and just like not put any blame towards anybody but myself and just learn from my mistakes and you know prevail after that. Like when when you headed out, what was what was your big first challenge? What was the first thing that made you go, holy hell, this is difficult? Uh, getting a job. <laughs> that was the hardest thing. Getting a job. And when I got a job, I actually worked at Taco Bell and just balance, just balancing, you know, the times that I can get off to go skateboard and go to competitions and, you know, try not to be late at work. And I've always been a workhorse. That's, that's how my dad had raised me just to work really hard. If you're going to do something, you got to put 110% into it. Otherwise, you know, what are you doing you know <laughs> yeah it's important and I was going to mention about about that as well because you you did mention about the kind of when you start getting this attention from the big shots in California it's very easy to get an ego and in all honesty that's never come across in any of your videos you've always seemed so humble is there anything that has encouraged you to stay that way yeah, it's an unfortunate accident because I, I did kind of, it did get to my head when I was about 17, 18 years old. And when I was 19, unfortunately, my uh, my brother had got hit by a car and um, 
unfortunately passed away and oh, and he always looked up to me as a as a skateboarder and always just would encourage me to keep doing that to stay out of trouble because he was you know he was a little bit of a troublemaker and he didn't want me to go into that light so when uh he passed away and um probably it was the last time i actually been to a funeral uh i when i had to carry his casket into the ground it, it just changed me forever and uh always since then i've just tried to treat people with as much respect as possible and just give them you know love caring and and just as much of my time as possible dude thank you so much for for sharing that and i'm, I'm really sorry but uh, I've got to say that the the way you come across is so wonderful and so encouraging to so many people that uh, it's very obvious that it's made you like uh, an incredible person. So yeah, no no worries, dude. You know, I, I just learned in life that things happen for a reason, and you know, and sometimes it's an unfortunate. Uh, I, w- I would say unfortunate occasions. You know, it's not really the best thing to ever talk about. You know, but you know, it doesn't bring them back. You know, and. The fact that uh, that's what he wanted me to do, to be a better skateboarder and just to stick with this because he knew it was going to keep me out of trouble. I've yeah. stuck with it ever since. And little did I know, like, I, I feel like he knew, like, I was going to be something where I'm at now. But I didn't see it back then, you know. He just had all this faith in me. And, you know, I still love him to this day. I still think about him every day. And then when I do skate, sometimes I always do tricks for him, you know, just to, just to you know, keep him alive and spirit-wise. Of course, and you make him proud, dude. You make him proud. I, I, you bring so much happiness to people, dude. I enjoy watching you skate so much. It's unreal. Oh, thank you, man. Yeah. Like I wake up feeling like shit at the start of a day, and I, I will put on a video <laughs> and feel better for it. So yeah, th- like you've done him proud for sure. Um, so let's let's move forward a bit. What was the first point whilst you're out in California where you think you might actually be getting a break with this, and the work is is secondary to you skating? Well, I would say when I started working with NKA Vids, uh, you know, he's the whole reason P-Rod became pro, and I met him at a Dam-Am contest in Costa Mesa, California, and he was just, like, he watched me skate live, and he's like, oh, holy crap, like, I, I, I'm looking for, like, new guest skaters to come onto my channel, like, how do you feel about, like, filming and honestly he's the whole reason i turned pro it's pretty crazy like he he picked me up at long beach competition uh no sorry not a competition i, I should get the story right um uh, he uh picked me up at a long beach skate park because he just showed up and it was like dave pachinski and he had a couple other pros with him and he was like hey we're about to go hit up this other park do you want to just jump in my car i got an extra slot i'm like i mean yeah i'm not doing i'm not doing anything so yeah for sure so i started filming with him and uh it just kind of worked itself out from that point, you know. I, I every every week he would just come pick me up once a day, and then it became two days a week, then three days a week. Sometimes we were filming like five days a week, and he, and not only that, he was like my mentor. He taught me a lot about the business side of skateboarding and how to handle yourself, how to learn how to talk on camera, and just kind of molded me to be a pro skateboarder. So I have I have a lot of him to thank for, you know everything he's done for me it's it's been insane and and it's interesting because i think it's so important to to be aware of the people that help mold you it's so easy to kind of take your own like what you've accomplished and forget everything that came before it if that makes any sense yeah well he taught me you know the higher the pedestal the thinner the wire 
and which that means it's it's easier to fall off you know so just kind of don't burn any bridges treat people with respect and just be good to one another and you know people will come back and it, it's like a a, a big uh, a loop you know people will come back around and you'll see them and you know just try not to hate anybody that's what i always said for sure yeah it's good advice and what about uh, making friendships when when you've moved out to california because I think we're all aware that skating has lots of very strong personalities. Uh, how did you find getting involved in a team, having to meet new people constantly? Did that come naturally to you? Oh, no, I, I didn't talk for the first two years, pretty much. I was kind of filling it out, more of a being observant uh, to everything. And it's not like a bad thing, per se. You know, I, I like keep in mind, I was a 16-year-old, 15-year-old kid, and I'd had to fill out where I was going to be you know the new environment and it was just kind of hard to to fathom like okay like everything is going to be your fault now you know like you, you have nobody to help you you have to do this alone and just get ready you know and that's one thing my dad had told me before I left was um, once you start paying bills son you're never going to stop so I wish it did stop though because it gets pretty boring after a while uh, yeah, once it, once you get the routine down, it's not that bad. Yeah, it's true. Was there any any point where you were like, "I'm done. I can't. I can't do this anymore." Oh, plenty of times, man. There's plenty of times I was discouraged, and you know things were just that hard. Uh, there's some stories where, like, I, I think the first five years I had worked a lot, had a laptop, laptop, uh, just car full of like all my clothes, my guitar, and. Actually got stolen, dude. I had to start all over. Yeah, dude. And that was the ultimatum. It's like, what are you gonna do? And I had a competition the next day, so I was sitting there making a police report and just kind of contemplating, should I go back to Arizona? And I just didn't really believe in backtracking, so I just went to the competition and I ended up winning. So I, I won like like three hundred dollars and I won like two pairs of clothes to start. So I was like, all right, I guess. Uh, yeah, I guess this is a fresh start for me, so let's just keep this going and see how far I can take it. That's so cool. And I, and I like asking that question because it's so easy to look up to people and think that they've had it easy. And oh, it's no. not the case. <laughs> All the Anybody who's successful is because they've failed so many times. And that's what people, you know, even when you watch actors in movies, it's the same thing. You know, like They have to go through hell just to get that movie done. And So true. It's, a, it's the same, you know, aspect of, you know the conversation like oh yeah it's it's hard you know it's not easy to be successful you have to be willing to fail and that's one of the first things that you have to be willing to do is just accept failure and bounce yourself back and try harder the next time yeah for sure so most of the journey we're talking about so far you're predominantly street skating is that right yeah, well, you know, I don't, I don't believe in, like, style of skateboarding. I, I believe in skateboarding, you know. But, yeah, technically, uh, yeah, I put out a lot of street parts. Uh, I think um, I'm working on one right now, so I have two years, and this will be my eighth or ninth street part going on so far. Nice, nice. So was it quite, when you then started with Braille, was that quite a, a difference having to, to change things up? Yeah, I mean, they they gave me a training facility platform to actually progress myself, but uh, that's another thing that, like I said, I, I have NKA to thank for all of that, because he's the whole reason I got into touch with Andy Chirac and Brian Ames, and I was on Flow for Revive for a couple of years, and they uh, talked to me about this new company that was developing, and 3Block hadn't been established yet, like not even the name, not even a name yet. 
So I was supposed to be M for them when I uh, when I initially you know had the meeting and they they tricked me into this. This is a funny story. They literally uh, they're like, hey, we need to talk to you. Uh, I need to have a FaceTime meeting with you on Wednesday, which is funny that we're doing this on a Wednesday, but. Uh, they were talking to me, and I'm like, oh, man, I'm in trouble. I don't even know what I did, you know? Like, I'm about to get kicked off, and I'm all worried about it. Because I, I, at the time, I wasn't skating enough. I was I was a fish grill cook, and I was just paying bills and stuff and trying to pay back all my debt. And he just, I'm, like, all freaking out. Like, I'm literally just like, oh, no, I'm, I'm about to get kicked off the team. And I'm all, like, hard thumping, pacing, everything, you know, walking back and forth. And they're like, let me, let me ask you a question, Carlos. I'm like, what? Do you want to be pro? I'm like, what? Do you want to be a pro skateboarder? Uh, answer the question. I'm like, <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. And then he like flips his phone around and he shows me my filthy animal graphic. And he's like, this is about to go into production. And I know you said we we're going to put you am for the company, but I want you to be a pro skater for our company. So if you're okay with it, is this graphic okay? <laughs> and I was just freaking out, you know, like, like, oh man, like, no way. And I, I turned pro, um, June 20th, 2017. Nice. And from there, you know, like, uh, just, that's kind of what the motivation was to move to Braille actually. Uh, cause Aaron had reached out to me about like a month later and asked me if I wanted to move to Bay area. But at this, at the time I was paying back debt, you know, I was paying back everybody who ever helped me cause I was getting paid for skateboarding now. So once I got all the debt paid off, I realized like, hey, you're a pro skater and you need to be able to promote your board and you couldn't do that, you know, being a fish grill cook. So <laughs> you you kind of just realized, hey, um, let me call Aaron and let me see if that's still available. So I had reached out to him one more time and I was like, hey, um, you know, how you wanted me to move to Bay Area. Can you like, is that still available? Can I still come out there? And he was just open arms like, yeah, come out here. And that's psycho. Because I, re I realized that that's the best way to like sell your boards. They have a good platform, and then it's a training facility, so you can actually get there and just practice every day and work on your craft and get, you know, not perfect it because there's no such thing as perfection, but get somewhere close to that. And, yeah, uh, being at Braille definitely helped me be a better skateboarder, and it's been awesome, dude. That's it's rad to hear, dude. What, what was the biggest challenge going into Braille? Going into Braille was just knowing that it was just like being 16 years old all over again. <laughs> but you're you're older at that point, so it's not really that big a deal. That's cool. That's cool. And I want to touch on, on persistence because I've seen you on the Braille videos attempt things over and over again. And I've got to say, I talked to, to Gabe about this. I found it so physically painful watching you jump off those rafters uh at the end of oh that one yeah that dude. was that was hands down the scariest video for sure like that was probably the most like fear i had going into something because the the factor of like how much you can get hurt and like yeah. if you fall backwards 17 feet like there's no way your legs are going to take that impact. Sure. It, it'll, it'll snap you know like i had a lot of that in my mind and sometimes the best way to skate is when you just don't think about it at all yeah yeah, I get you, and and I love hearing you say that. But I I do love as well that there's there's some skaters that pretend not to be afraid ever. If that makes any sense. Oh yeah, dude, I'm I'm afraid all the time, man. I, if anybody can hear this podcast right now, I'm always scared. But it's <laughs> it's it's about being scared and just conquering your fear and just because yes. once you get once you get past that aspect of fear, like and you land it, 
like everything goes away and you're just so proud of yourself and it, it's like you pat yourself on the back you know like you don't need people to do that for you you can do it yourself and what about that period of transition between leaving braille how does it feel to be now in a different period again Oh, you know, live your life in chapters. Uh, this is just where I need to... I always followed my instincts growing up. Like, I've always followed my heart since I was a little kid. And that's kind of where it made me to where I'm at now to this day. And no no regrets. I mean, I never left Burl on bad terms. I'm, I still talk to Aaron to this day. You know, we're still teammates on the shred quarters. And still talk to Gabe and just check in on them every now and then. And those guys have... They gave me a whole platform to literally find out who I really was as a person and you know I, I think I just burnt my own self out like I don't want anybody to ever blame Braille for me leaving it was literally me to my own self because I was you know teaching a lot of lessons I was running skate camps and I was being a talent for both channels and my body had just got tired you know and me mentally and physically so it's it's no hard feelings towards them and I don't want anybody to ever look at them and say hey it's your fault he left no it, it's literally me to myself and I've always been that way yeah and at the end of the day dude people will always read into stuff people love reading into stuff especially if it's on the internet the the point is the the message you're sending across is really important you do need to analyze where you're at you need to look at your, your mental capacity, your physical capacity, and make the right decision, not worry about what other people are going to think about it. Oh, no, yeah, exactly. I, I never worried about what people ever thought of me, you know. Like, you can you can hate on me all you want. If anything, I love the haters because, you know, it's like saying, try to do what I've done. And you'll if you work really hard, you'll get there. But, like, don't, don't waste your time hating because that takes effort just as much as it does to get things done. Well, that's the thing, right? It's tiring. Like, negativity is is draining, and if you spend time worrying too much about it, you don't have time to do anything positive. Uh, yeah, and, you know, a lot of it has to do with, like, jealousy and stuff, and I don't like to deal with any of that stuff at all. It's it's not me, you know? Like, you know, I, I'm the person who's never really told my story, and like I say, you know, when I lost my little brother, it made me more humble than I've ever been in my life, and I just chose to stay that way to this day. Yeah. That's awesome, dude, and it's really amazing to hear. What about your influences when it comes to skateboarding? You mentioned Ron Rodney Mullen, who I absolutely adore and was one of the skaters that really made me feel like I could do some stuff because uh, I wasn't into the whole Ollie thing. I could never master that as a kid. It took me quite a while to do that. Oh, uh, yeah. Ollie, kickflip, those, those are the two hardest tricks you'll ever learn in skating. You know, Once you get past that threshold, you, you'll get you'll prevail you know, beyond that point, but realistically, um, you know, I, my first favorite skateboarder was Jeff Rowley as a kid. Oh, nice. And I played Tony Hawk Pro Skater 3, and then I unlocked uh, Rodney Mullen's, you know, video on PlayStation <laughs> 2, and Hell I yeah. watched that, and I was just like, oh, I want to do that. That's the style I want to adapt to, and, and then from there, you know, I started watching, like, all the other, I guess, like, Anybody who's in Tony Hawk Pro Skater, plus um, 411 videos. My first two videos was 411, 26, and 27. And uh, Danny Gonzalez did a kickflip one-foot manual on uh, the Pier 7 mani pads. And I was just like, that's real? And I was like, okay, like, like I guess, like, at, as a young age, you kind of look at it to where, oh, man, all you need to do to skateboard is have a big imagination because anything's possible. Yeah. This is, like, the most extreme sport to where nothing's impossible you know and how do you find that 
your imagination seems ridiculous. Like some of the stuff you came up with at Braille is insane. And your skate scenes, like the, the combos you do, and I will call them combos because I love that we talked about Tony Hawk's. Some of the stuff you do literally looks like a combo. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I guess you could say I'm a Tony Hawk pro skater uh, influenced. But um, realistically, it's just, I, I was always, I've always been an observant skateboarder as a kid. I've always just watched people and, like, I've never been intimidated by anybody who was better than me. I was always intrigued by it, and I would sit there and watch them, look at their foot movement and, like, how they use their arms and just observe, you know? And it, I always felt like just being around that energy would help you yourself, you know? As opposed to just sitting by yourself and trying to figure it out. Yeah, I get that. Absolutely. And it's weird because we all learn from from different things and some people just want to ask a load of questions, but some people just want to literally be in in the space and observe and that's enough. Exactly, you know. It's a uh, I've always looked at it to where like especially being at Braille, you know, cuz some things get got repetitive and I was like I I just want to come out here and the idea of Braille is to progress every day, you know. So I I never wanted to get stuck doing the same tricks, you know. The warm-ups were always the same tricks, but realistically it was like, I want to I wanna show these guys, even though I'm a good skater, I could push myself even farther, and I want you guys to do the same. And I want to say I, I set like a higher standard for them, and honestly, I've seen a lot of them progress since then, you know. And I think that it's obvious that you continuously want to progress, and that's it's obvious from the conversation, but I think people already knew that from watching you skate, because... I watch when when there's other people in any of your videos and they're doing tricks. You're in the background trying the trick before anyone like before it's even landed. Yeah, I I try to stay off the the grid when it comes to that. You know, I'm working on it, but I don't want to like ever step on anybody's toes when it comes to like their persistences. No, no, no. But it's nice to watch because I think that we can relate to that as skaters. We can relate to people doing tricks and us being like, right, I need to figure this out. That's really real and relatable. Well, you know, have you heard of Salmonaga? Like, people say, like, why are you doing that trick? Like, I already did that. And you, you go, like, I get that, but it hasn't been done in this body. So I'm going to do it, too. Like, there's, the, you know how people claim tricks? Like, that doesn't exist, man. Like, I want people, like, I hate when people are like, hey, can I try that nose grind with you? I'm like, yeah, go ahead. You can do whatever you want, dude. For it's sure. Fine. But it's like you, you were mentioned music before. Um, and I played in a band for ages, and, and I'm really into, like, hip-hop as well. And there was that whole argument about sampling for ages, like you can't use samples and it's like, but you're creating something completely new, like the, the re-envisioning of something in a different body, in a different way of, of being done is always going to appeal to people differently, not to the same people necessarily. Like the way you move isn't the same as someone else doing that trick. It never will be. That's the beauty about skateboarding. It's, it's all individual. Most people don't understand that aspect of skateboarding, you know, like... They think just because they think they invented a trick that nobody else gets to have the right to do that trick. And that's not the case. Like, you should be able to share everything. You know, that's kind of how I was taught. No, for sure. And and I think it's encouraging to to hear that said because something that I always like like mentioning when I when I hear skaters talk like this is that, that we're so pushed by what we see on TV and the aggression and ego and persona that is generally put across is is almost like media driven as opposed to reality driven oh yeah production at its finest man <laughs> how do you feel about that is that something that appeals to you well you know working for braille that was a lot of that going on you know 
lot of just uh, a lot of production, a lot of sponsored videos, and some things were scripted. But overall, you know, we were like the I, I would always like admit it to it would be like the PG Jackass crew, which is awesome, you know, because our demographic was definitely you know catering to younger kids, and you know you gotta watch your mouth, you gotta like not drink, not smoke, not doing any of that stuff, which I don't do, so it's perfectly fine, you know. It was just something I was cuz I was already a certified teacher for 9 years. That's the one thing that that's the one thing that was cool about Braille was they didn't know that I taught skateboarding. Like I was teaching before I even uh did the whole lessons at Braille, you know. Most people thought I started there. I was like, "No, I was teaching I've been teaching at this point for 9 years." Ah, oh, dude, that's awesome. Southern California, uh, it's called, a company called Skate Dogs. If you guys uh, can check them out, they're awesome. And this guy, Adam. And the funniest thing about it was, uh, I'll tell you a funny story, is how I got into teaching. Because I, I just did a demo. I covered uh, somebody who was sick from one of my roommates. He's like, hey, uh, we need a skater to come skate this demo. Can you come do it? And I was like, yeah, yeah, no, no worries, you know. Did the demo, did very well. And the owner came up to me afterwards. He's like, hey, um... Like, hey, you did really good. Like, I know you're sponsored, but how do you feel about teaching skateboarding? Have you ever taught? And I'm like, uh, you know, lessons, uh, pointers every now and then at a skate park. Nothing too crazy. He's like, that's awesome. So, yeah, here, he gave me a card. Just come here this day, this time, and we'll get you started. So I show up, right? I'm thinking, I'm thinking like, hell yeah, they're going to teach me how to teach skateboarding. This guy literally gives me 12 kids. <laughs> he just walks away. I was like, wait, 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 wait Adam, what? He's like, oh, you said you could teach, right? I'm like, oh, I, oh, kind of, you know. Like, I, so he literally, I, I fell into teaching. That's so and, awesome. Uh, <laughs> so the first couple years, you know, I was kind of using. I, I kind of feel bad for saying this, but I was using kids as like guinea pigs and just seeing like what would happen, and and it, it was like, oh no, like he fell. Nobody ever broke their bones with me. This, so I'll, I'll, I'll uh, stamp that in the bud right now. Like nobody ever broke their bones. It yeah, was, that's good. You know. You would watch them, like, what would happen if you leaned back? So you started learning, like, the detail of skateboarding just by watching kids. And eventually you kind of learned how to teach yourself, you know. You'd be, like, in the middle of a lesson and you'd just be, oh, yeah, so all you got to do is lean You know, you would stop mid and then your head would kind of, like, click. Like, oh, that's what I was doing wrong. So, like, after the skate camps, I would just go to the skate park and figure out my own mistakes. So that's kind of how I got into like just being more detail oriented when it comes to learning how to skate. That's so cool. That's really interesting. And what was the first trick that stumped you? Can you remember one that where you were like took you ages to to get over? Uh, 360 flips. <laughs> yeah, I'm not surprised to be honest. Which is now my easiest trick, but uh, yeah, that that was that was the one. Kickflip too, because uh, kickflip I would do a, a kickflip sex chains or now these days called kickflip body burial. Um, yeah, that one, I couldn't keep my shoulders square. So when it came down to learning it, it was like, oh, no, I can't figure it out. And then one day, I remember the day, it was, um, it took me eight months to learn, and it was at Wedge Skate Park on the flat ground area. I must have been 11 years old, and I just did my first kickflip. And that's kind of like where I knew, I remember you asked me a question, like, is skateboarding for you? That's the day that I knew, like, this is what I want to do forever. Because it was so satisfying, you know, like it was, you got so much uh, out of it that I, I my, my first 360 flip down the 10 stair too, that that was a big milestone for myself. Yeah, it's it's funny because, you know, you mentioned you, you played that one 
gig with a band and you're like that I'll do skating I, I had the opposite moment kind of thing where I, I did my first gig and was like I never want to stop doing this ever I want to stay on a stage forever um, <laughs> and it is that you need to have that spark don't you you need to have that moment of going I love this this is awesome and I think I'm good at it yeah just I mean I didn't know how good I was until I came to California like I didn't know I didn't know I stuck out that much and keep in mind man like you especially to this day you know that's where you go to make it like California is the mecca of skateboarding and yeah I mean I'm I might be a good skateboarder but I, at the same time I know about a hundred skateboarders who are way better than me way beyond me and I don't feel discouraged that you know like if anything it encouraged me to try harder and work on my craft more yeah I, I get that but do you think that's because of your personality do you think that other people would would feel the same if they went to California uh I've seen I've seen people have nervous breakdowns you know come out with twenty thousand dollars deplete it have a nervous breakdown and just not make it and they would go have to go back to you know where they were and it's it's unfortunate you know it California is a hard place to live actually it's very expensive it's you know high high rate of paying rent and you know just it, it's so uh how do i put the word it it's so flooded with talent to where you can't be discouraged because somebody's better than you at something you just kind of have to treat it like it's your own profile and that's kind of how you have to look at it that's cool and what about if you were giving someone advice not unnecessarily moving to California because I think we've we've touched on how difficult that is, but on trying to stand out as as a skater with their Satan style. <laughs> what would you say? Uh, how, <laughs> it's the Dave Chappelle quote: "Prepare to get your heart broken, <laughs> but just bounce back and just keep you know understand that yeah you, you have to understand in California it's basically a thousand no's for one good yes." And it's up to you if you want to chase those no's for that yes, you know. It's 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 not the easiest place to live, but if you can get past that threshold, it's definitely worth it. And I know from personal experience, so you guys just don't give up and just have a good head on your shoulder and just understand how hard it is, you know. Because out there, out there, it's a rat race. Yeah, it's it's true. People people aren't that kind to each other when they're trying to make it generally. <laughs> Honestly, you'd be surprised. Actually, everybody's more of a... There's more camaraderie than most people think, you know? Ah, dude, that's nice to hear. That's that's pretty encouraging. So what about other places in the world that stand out to you as skate scenes right now? Is there anywhere where you're like, I really want to head here at some point? Well, I would love to go to Australia, but I just wouldn't want to get bit by one of those poisonous bugs. Uh, you know, Japan, I've always wanted to explore stuff. yet to get my um, passport, so... There's just a lot, you know, I mean, just leaving California in general, you know, just going from a fast paced lifestyle to where I'm at now, it's kind of, it's kind of weird to go from somewhere where you could just take a nap and everybody complains about you, like, you know, you need to be doing something every day. And then you go to a place like Utah and like, oh, I slept till like seven and they're like, yeah, that's cool. It's funny because we lived in the UK for a long time. And then moved back to Barcelona, and it's that kind of difference. Even though they're both cities, Spain is so chilled and everything's so slow, and you can you take a four-hour break in the middle of the day to eat and stuff. And then we came back to England, and we're like, holy hell, everyone wants to move fast. Like, no one wants to let you stop. Yeah, that's kind of what 
defines California from like a lot of states. You know, California, New York. Uh, I've been in Florida. It's pretty fast paced. You know, especially in Miami. Um, it's just it's weird because I'm from a a, a state that's slow paced. Yeah, like I'm I'm from Phoenix, Arizona, and it would be like you could just sleep in all day and nobody would say anything to you. And I learned to live California lifestyle because I've been out there for about fifteen years and. That was the funniest thing because I remember going to visit one time all my old friends and I was like, let's go do something, guys. And they're just sitting down watching a skate video and they're like, no, we don't want to do anything. Come on, guys, we got to get out and do something. Like, no, no, no. And my friend had like reminded me because he was from California. He's from Oxnard. He's like, hey, you're just used to that whole California vibe. And like, we're not like that out here. And I was like, oh, no, you're right. <laughs> so we could just sit here and do nothing. He's like, yeah, that's what we've been doing. Since you've been gone, we've just been sitting here watching skate videos, and we go skate once it cools down, and that's just how it is out here. I'm like, okay, cool. That's awesome. Nice. Nice. It does. It's weird how it takes getting used to. Like, doing less actually takes getting used to. Oh, you're telling me, man. I'm, I'm still adjusting <laughs> to this day. I've been out here for a little over a month, so. Yeah. Do you, do you find you, you, you get bored because you had so much on before, or are you quite happy just chilling at the moment? Honestly, I'm kind of happy just chilling at the moment because uh, this yeah. last summer I was working about 210 hours a month, so Whoa. like 52 hours a week. And yeah, like I said, I, I personally burnt myself out working at Braille and just doing everything. And there was one day where I came to work and my body just bugged out and I was just shaking, you know, like my hands were shaking and I couldn't like control my physical like stature. And it was just like, okay, I, I need to go. Like I need to go home, guys. Like I'm sorry. Like I know I'm I know I'm needed for this shoot. I was obligated to be there, but realistically, I was just that tired and I couldn't I couldn't put myself through any more stress. So I was like, all right, I'm just gonna go. And I, I literally slept for like three days. Yeah, dude, but, you need to make that call. You need to make that call. That's important. Yeah, when it got to a point where I knew it was like physically exerting, I just didn't want to, you know, overexert more of that, and I just kind of just needed to rest and I took three days off and I, I didn't even mind but I apparently uh at the time I had six days six days you know so they they paid me for those days I was off which is awesome you know I wasn't I wasn't expecting anything I was just like yeah I, I I really need to rest like I'm really useless right now yeah no but it's it, dude I think that it's it's so important to be able to judge that and it's so easy to push too hard and actually hurt yourself. And that's not that that's there's no point in that because surely the end goal is is longer than that. Well, the end the end goal is always to stay as healthy as possible, you know. Cause exactly. I still want to skate as much as possible, but when it came to that point, I was, I just was overexerted and and like I said, it wasn't Braille that did that to me. I was the one who was like the yes man. I always had anything they asked for. I was always there to do it. Hey, Gabe, do you need this shoot? Yes, I'll do it. Um, what do you, uh, my boss Devin? Like, do you need me to do these lessons? Like, yeah, I'll I'll do it, no problem. Like, I never said no. Yeah. Well, I was gonna ask. In hindsight, is there anything you'd you'd have done differently? But I think you're kind of answering that yourself. No, no. There's there's really there's really no hindsight. You know, like I did what I did, and I gave them my all as much as possible, but. It got to a point where, you know, I just felt like it was time for a new chapter in my life. And it had nothing to do with, like, leaving Braille. And I know it, it seemed like I was brief out there because it was only been two years. But keep in mind, like, 
I lived in California at that point for like 15 years, and I was just burnt out from California in general. So I think it was just a, a compilation of all, everything that I've done out there, and I just needed a change of, scen- uh, change of scenery. And what, what have you got planned next? Anything, or are you just seeing what happens? Just been training at skate parks out here, relearning how to skate different terrain, because if you guys ever go to Braille, it's it's so perfect out there, like... The, the ramps are just too nice and, you know, it, it was too easy to skate in a sense. And that's like the, I, I don't want to ever sound cocky saying that, but, you know, it's nice to go to skate parks to where the ground's kind of lopsided and you have to figure out that terrain and, you know, just relearning how to skate street. And uh, I'm going to be working on a video part for the next uh, two years, uh, starting in about three months. So I'm basically in training mode right now, just learning different terrains and learning how to skate over cracks again and all that stuff. Dude, that's absolutely wonderful. I've had such a wonderful time chatting to you and I think it's really important for people to know your backstory because it really adds so much more to what we already love about you, dude. Ah oh, man, I appreciate it, man. Like just thanks for talking to me. Like I said, this is my first podcast, so I hope I didn't do too bad, guys. Ah, you've done awesome. You've done awesome. Is there anything that that you would leave people with that you're like this is the point that I want people to remember look just know that life is very hard sometimes and you know just find your niche find things that you love and stick with it because it can keep you out of trouble and it can keep you on a good mindset and overall man it's just for me skateboarding it saved my life you know I, I've had to lo- lose a lot of things family-wise unfortunately and it's Life is hard, it's always going to be, but it's what you make of it that makes you happy, you know? So just keep a good mindset on your head and literally just just make the best of it. And, you know, thank you guys, everybody who supports me. I did not think I would ever be where I'm at now in this life if it wasn't for everybody who supported me. So I really appreciate you guys. I love you guys, and I pray for everybody that is struggling and... I even pray for the ones that are doing good. You guys just got to do the best you can. And trust me, it'll work out. As long as you keep a good head on your shoulder, everything will work out, guys. Yeah, man. it's You can't believe how encouraging it is to listen to you. It's absolutely wonderful. Thanks so much, Carlos. All right, man. Well, thank you for having me, brother. Oh, yeah, dude. I'm, I'm afraid all the time, man. I, if anybody can hear this podcast right now. Thank you so much for checking out that episode. I hope you enjoyed it and I hope you'll leave me some feedback. Give it a like, give it a share, leave us a review if you're listening from Apple Podcasts. It all really helps and definitely check back because we've got some more awesome guests lined up. Catch you soon and thanks again. Oh yeah, dude, I'm, I'm afraid all the time, man. I, if anybody can hear this podcast right now, I'm always scared. But it's, it's, it's about being scared and just conquering your fear and just... Because once you get once you get past that aspect of fear, like when you land it, like everything goes away, and you're just so proud of yourself. And it, it's like you pat yourself on the back, you know. Like you don't need people to do that for you; you can do it yourself.